Hello, everyone. This is Pastor Becky Brown. I'm one of the associate pastors here at First United Methodist Church in Waynesville, North Carolina. You're about to listen to the sermon from worship this week. You can also watch this service online through our YouTube channel. You can just search FUMC Waynesville on YouTube or join us in person at 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. every Sunday. Thanks for listening, and we hope this sermon challenges, inspires, and invigorates your faith. May God bless you. All right. Okay, I'll start it. What were your feelings when I started towards you? Fear? Revulsion? Shock? Will he really do it? Does Jesus expect that kind of service? Is it in the same category with the Lord's Supper? Something we're supposed to do? Let's look at the content in which the washing of Jesus' feet took place. Jesus had spent three years preaching that the kingdom of God is at hand, sharing the kingdom life by example, spelling out its nature through the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, and the like, and by ministering to all kinds of need, knowing that his time on earth was drawing to a close, Jesus gathers his disciples in what the Gospels describe as an upper room, celebrates the Passover with them, and prepares them for his departure with two acts. We're participating in one of those acts today. Jesus took bread and wine and used them to symbolize his mission and ministry and to proclaim a new covenant. Take and eat, he said. This is my body. And he took a cup, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. The message, the ministry of Jesus had fulfilled the old covenant. He had been the light that Israel was to be to the world. The lifestyle he had lived is the lifestyle God wants for humanity. And the relationship he had modeled with them is the relationship God wants with all of his children. The good news for those disciples and for us is that God's reaching out to the world in Christ and offering his kingdom, its relationships, and its benefits is based not on our worthiness, but on his love. God, rather than being altogether wholly other and unapproachable, unless you're specially chosen, is a loving Father who wants a relationship with all of His children. I'm about to give my life, Jesus was saying, to mediate this truth and this relationship. A cross is on the way. But so is a resurrection that offers new life in fellowship with God in the here and now and beyond. That was radical stuff in that period of history. The world had never seen anything like it at the time, nor has it since. Those of us who have responded to this understanding of God feel divinely blessed and bound together in love 
so refreshing, is it? We keep coming back here week after week to hear that love proclaimed and to have it affirmed to us again and again. It does wonders for us at those times when we know that we have failed or feel unworthy or dealing with broken relationships or wrestling with anxiety or bitterness or feel adrift and rootless. It says that God cares, understands our feelings, forgives our sins, is there to help us work through things and to mend relationships. It does wonders for us when death invades our relationships because it places those relationships in a forever dimension. It does wonders for, the, for us at those times when we were tempted to give up on life because of all the inhumane things that go on in the world. It affirms to us that life can be redeemed and that God will have the last word. How this world needs this love God gave us in Christ. This kingdom Jesus proclaimed. The kind of relationships God's love produces. And the eternal assurances given by the life, cross, and resurrection of Christ. It's transforming. Jesus there in the upper room took bread and wine and made them symbols of his mission and ministry, of God's love, and of a new covenant, a new relationship to him. The church is fo focused on that act with intensity, as we should. But another act occurred in that upper room that should receive our attention. Jesus took a towel and a basin and made them symbols of willing, loving service. Jesus, in washing his disciples' feet, was proclaiming that life in the kingdom of God is to be characterized by willing, loving service to our fellow human beings without regard for one's place or position in life. And that too is transforming. Acts of loving service rendered in the name of and in the spirit of Jesus is transforming, both for the person giving it and the person receiving it. It's not, it not only demonstrates our gratitude to God and shows that God's Spirit is in us, but it mediates the, His life-changing power of love. There's, a, there's some interesting speculation surrounding this second act. The New, New Testament records an incident of wrangling among the disciples as they prepared to enter Jerusalem. They got into an argument over who would sit at the right or left hand of, of Jesus when he came into his kingdom, demonstrating that they hadn't yet caught on to the kind of kingdom that he was establishing. Biblical scholars speculate that the argument produced such acrimony among the disciples that none of them would perform the simple task that a good host or hostess routinely perform for his or her guest which was to provide, after they had tracked through a hot, sandy desert with sandals, provide water and a towel with which to wash their feet. That was expected of a good hostess, but it was not expected of a teacher. 
Jesus, in washing the disciples' feet, was doing a shocking thing and was making a profound statement in the process. Service, even to a humble act, is a natural trait and expectation of a disciple, regardless of his or her place or position in life. Now, no one can say with certainty if the disciples of if, if the discussion about who would sit where in the kingdom still rankled among the disciples when Jesus washed their feet. But, but the point is the same. A natural consequence of knowing God and God's love, a natural consequence of being blessed, is a life characterized by willing, loving service. The blessed become a blessing. Alan Walker a prominent preacher in the historical stream of Methodism from whom I got the idea but not the content of this sermon, says that people by the millions reach for the bread and wine of God's love and forgiveness, but too easily ignore the towel and basin of Christian service. And in the process, I add, miss some of the kingdom's greatest blessings. This raises some important questions that we need to ask of ourselves as Christians. What am I doing to show that I am grateful? Whose life am I blessing? What situation am I helping to change for the better? What good things am I providing for with my resources? There are blessings to be had and joy to be experienced in taking what we have of talent and resources and sharing them with others in the name of Christ. Keith, when asking me to preach this morning, told me he wanted me to set the tone for Stewardship Month. October is generally the time when we start getting ready for the next year of service. When we think about what ministries we will support in the coming year with our financial resources, time, talent, and witness. Stewardship is a broad term, but if I could boil it down to its essentials, I would say stewardship is our response to God's love in all of its manifestations. A response that manifests itself on our part in a manner that demonstrates that we are truly grateful. It's saying, thank you, God, with all that we have and all that we are. Albert Einstein was on to something when, in his latter years, he replaced pictures of Newton and Maxwell in his office with pictures of Gandhi and Schweitzer, saying it's time to replace the image of success in society with the image of service. Anyone who has come to genuinely know the love of God is motivated to generosity and service, not out of duty, but out of gratitude. The greater our sense of being blessed, the greater our desire to bless, to pay back in some way what we've been given. And often in giving, we find that we're surprisingly blessed. 
an internship experience as a young seminarian stamp forever the power of God's love in my life and mind and the worthwhileness of church ministries. I was assigned to the Wesley Community Center, a Methodist mission in the slums of Atlanta, Georgia. Among the ministries was a two-week camp for elementary-aged children. They came from all kinds of situations. Extreme poverty, perhaps a mother who was a prostitute, addicted parents, a parent in prison, you name it. I was assigned a cabin of boys. We were getting settled in when the camp director showed up with a, a latecomer whom she introduced as Bobby. A little fellow with blonde hair and light blue eyes and freckles. He evidently had not come too willingly. He looked me over, sized me up, and rendered a verdict. You dumb goon. I hate you. I said, well, Bobby, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry you hate me because I love you. And I gave him a big hug. And he kicked me in the shin. Well, that went on throughout the week. And I was getting a blue leg. But I kept saying, Bobby, I'm sorry you feel that way. I love you. And then one day, I went out on the lodge porch there and sat down, and Bobby came out and sat down on my lap. Wow. I thought, man, I've made progress. He looked up at me, and he said, you dumb goon. I hate you. But he didn't kick me. And I said, Bobby... I love you. You're a great little fellow. I love you. And then one day, to my surprise, when I was organizing a softball game, Bobby came up and put his arms around me, around my waist, and I said, Bobby, let's, let's, let's play some ball. He said, can't I just stand here and love you a little bit? A total change. A total change because somebody loved him. He'd probably been hearing that at home. He was given back what he had received. And now he had received something different. That's what our giving and our service is all about. It's not a budget. It's a proclamation of love. It's an indication of how, who we are. That's the kind of thing that, that our giving and service makes possible. That's what after-school care and friendship house and wilderness trail, and the like, make possible. And it's all about. 
Jesus took bread and wine, towel and basin, and joined them together. What Christ has joined together, let no one put asunder. Amen.